0: Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Comics Collective, the weekly podcast where we read and discuss a collection of comic books or a graphic novel. I'm your host, Alice.
1: I'm Alexis. And I'm Anne.
0: And since it's the first week of the month, we are joined by none other than...
2: Yes, it's me, Evan Von Doom, published author... Oh, uh, you guys just want to understand, things really just change for you when you become a published author. Oh, uh, once you have published... Oh, you guys didn't hear? Yeah, I have a little, uh, short story comic coming out, in a little thing called Tales from the Cloak Room. Mm, yes, indubitably. And, uh, now that I'm a published uh, author in Tales of the Cloak Room, coming out this mid-February for Kickstarter, Oh, I just have so little time for little things like this. Yes, I'm on fancy pants. <laughs> oh no, he's hot! All right, I'm done. Uh yes we have too. Yo, I could crank out. I can't do a squibber impression like it's like really bad. I'm like, man, yeah, SpongeBob. But when I do that, oh no, he's hot! I can do that really well. <laughs> yeah, you. <laughs> you nailed that. You that make was good.
3: It.
0: Frankly, there's um, no other way to say that other than you freaked that, honestly.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. In the words of Martin Scorsese, that shit slapped. Uh, that's right. Welcome to the Comic Collective, where every week we go over a comic that we all love. Uh, I'm your host, Evan Von I'm redoing the thing. <laughs> <laughs> Evan's like, I'll do the beginning. Oh my god. Oh, I'm uh, right now. I don't know why.
3: Evan <laughs> intern is so fresh, he doesn't know our intro.
2: <laughs> yeah. Hey guys, did you know I didn't get paid for this? Everyone else did? <laughs> That's right. Write it to your Congress. Oh. <laughs> I just Devin woke up on groundhog day. Yeah, this is uh, illegal. Also, racist? Anyway, so today we're reading the
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting. <laughs> <laughs>
2: like, okay. Ah.
0: <laughs> like, tell us, why is your camera shaking? It's like, No reason.
2: No reason. Anyway, I'm doing good. Welcome to February, folks.
0: <laughs> and since it is the first week of the month, we are hitting our long ongoing read. We have done in the past Saga, Invincible, Jonathan Hickman's Marvel, and now we are hitting and bone. And bone. We did bone. But now
3: he's <laughs> oh, not my favorite.
0: Bone
3: the best one. Sorry.
0: It was really Uh. good. But now we are covering Hellboy by Mike Mignola et al. And they have to add et al this time because we're doing the short story collection, Omnibus 1. If you are following along at home, these are the paperback Omnibuses published by Dark Horse. We are doing Hellboy, the complete short stories, volume 1, with stories all by Mike Mignola. But... This time with art by Richard Corbin, Duncan Fegredo, Nick McCone, Fabio Moon, Gabriel Ba, and then colors by Dave Stewart and Matt Hollingsworth, James Sinclair, Clam Robbins, and Pat Rousseau. The character of Hellboy was created by Mike Mignola. We talked last month about the debut volume and stories of Hellboy collected in omnibus one which included seed of destruction the first hellboy story and now we're jumping into the short stories so before we go i figure we're gonna go short story by short story i can give like a quick synopsis before we talk about each of the short stories i want to know general thoughts about this collection i want to go alexis evan Anne, and then i'll close it out
3: all right, fine. Okay, no, I said it last week. I'll say it again. I like this little son of a bitch. I don't know why I like him so he's much. I want to be his best friend. I would just love to go on all of his adventures with him because I just know I would be safe regardless because he's so good at just checking on everybody.
0: <laughs> ah, crap.
3: Ah, crap. Where'd you go? But- Now, I loved the collection of short stories. I thought this was so fun. I loved how it was like a little sampler of just like a bunch of different types, which of course, that's what a collection of short stories is. But I loved it. Big fan. Love him discovering Pinocchio for the first time. That was hilarious. He was, when she told him it was Italian, he goes, I can't read Italian. I was like, that's the funniest shit I've ever heard in my entire life. I love that's where his mind went to. But 10 out of 10. Very good. No notes.
0: Fun fact after this, so that story, The Midnight Circus, mm-hmm. is at the I'm publication trying. of these, the most recent Hellboy story that had been done. Oh. And then there was a few years break, and now he's back on doing Hellboy stories again. And they're all a ton of fun. I'm loving the new batch. So I honestly think there's probably going to be a short story collection, Omnibus 3, in like Ooh. a couple years. If he keeps cooking these out, but Hellboy, I'm sorry. Mike Mignola is an enormous fan of Pinocchio and he has since done an illustrated version of Pinocchio. (gasps) They came out last year and it has been my great white whale. It's like $120, but it has these stunning Mike Mignola illustrations for all the major Pinocchio scenes. And I just, I want it so bad. It kickstarted last year. And I I did not do that, but I'm pretty sure you can just buy it, buy it now. And hubba hubba, hubba hubba. So you said you liked Midnight Circus. Alexis, what other short stories did you love from this before we pass it off to Evan?
3: I loved the one where he was in Norway and was helping that professor with like the ghost king and the wolf. Like the wolf. That'd be the crap out of him. And he was like, why? Why did you sign me up for this? And then I loved, of course, his... um, Anything of him in Mexico was just so rad. I saw your tweet of like, what's better than Hellboy in Mexico? And I was going to respond, me in Mexico. But 10 out of 10. Loved all of that. It was so fun. Um, Oh, and then the witch one. Okay, I...
0: The Crooked Man.
3: The Crooked Man will be forever living in my nightmares for the rest of my life. I really wish that somebody would have gone, given me a warning going into that one, because I hate him, and I will forever hate him, and I hate you all for not telling me about him beforehand, because now I was reading that at night, and now I am terrified. Guess Literally what the next Hellboy
0: movie is? <gasps> the Crooked Man.
3: No! I is it hate an- him. Evan,
2: is it animated, or is it live action? Uh, from my understanding, it's supposed to be live action. But hopefully that. Will I hate change. that,
3: and I'm gonna find you, and I'm gonna put that under your bed. Oof. Don't even oh, hate, hate, hate. But the story was very good. Liked it, but hated it at the same time.
0: <laughs> Man, so glad you loved it, Lex. Evan, you went on the record last week, say last month, saying that the short story collections were your favorite aspect of Hellboy. What did you think of the first short story omnibus?
2: So this is my second time reading through this. I read through it uh, last year for the first time, and I l- loved it the first time. This time, I still like it a lot, but I think the magic of the Crooked Man story didn't hit the same the second time for some reason. Like, it really, The imagery really stuck with me the first time I read it, uh, and this time, it felt a lot shorter for some reason. So, But Hellboy in Mexico is still peak Hellboy, where like the Wolves of St. Augustine is where I fell in love with the story of Hellboy, and the concept of Hellboy, I fell in love with the character Hellboy, with Hellboy in Mexico. Um, I think it's where the character's tragedy really starts to kick in and you start to see the person behind the quote unquote monster. Um, but I do love these, all these short like, uh, stories. Uh, I also messed up. And earlier I thought we were reading the volume two first before we read the uh the, the volume two of the omnibus before we read the short story collections so earlier this read i was i was reading through it i'm like oh conqueror war word oh this and that i'm reading all this again for the second time and then i saw what the tweet of the collective being like this week we're reading the short story collective and like mid-sentence i put the book down and which is the short stories <laughs> I, I did the same thing I, I i absolutely did the same thing it was also funny because i was reading it and there's a moment where um uh, a character from this shows up again and he's just like "Hellboy boy did this to me that son of a bitch and i was just like <laughs> yeah we probably should have read that first but <laughs> i saw a tweet i was like oh that's why so put that down uh but i love it i love that little pig man and um mm-hmm. i really, it's really interesting seeing like all the small threads start to come together even in the short stories like these are stories mm-hmm. that take place technically before volume two like 50 years before them, sometimes. And you already see characters that are integral to the story coming up. And I haven't finished the story yet, but even then I'm still able to see like, oh yeah, this character shows up like in the next volume. So it's kind of interesting how that played out.
0: There is some huge foreshadowing to how the story ends reading this. This is my first time reading this since finishing all of Hellboy. And oh my gosh, do they smack you in the face like nine times? With oh, yeah. where this book is going. And oh, yeah. <laughs> stunning. And also, you think I wasn't going to introduce Gruagak before we get to him? Come on. I didn't Come know. On. Hey,
2: I'm I'm old pro. know.
0: I'm an old pro. Come on. We are going to learn Man. Gruagak before he's important. My bad. Come on.
2: And he a you also were on
0: the side of short stories. <laughs> Talk to me about short story collection one, your first read through of short story collection one.
1: First read through of the collection. Not my first read through for some of these stories. Some of these were familiar to me. I think specifically, um, it was the corpse I've read through the corpse before. And the corpse is just one of those stories that is very iconic. The, the, at least the imagery of it was adapted in that first Guillermo del Toro movie. So it's going to be very familiar for anyone who has seen those. um, I also remember reading the um, the baby one. What was the baby one?
0: That was the corpse.
1: Was it? Yeah. Okay. Damn. I just, I've read the corpse. I've also read the corpse. The corpse? I think I've read the corpse. So honestly, also pancakes. But then again, who hasn't read pancakes? Pancakes is crazy. Pancakes is wonderful. But this is, this is an interesting read for me. Because I think, you know, for most of this book, I was going through, for, you know, listeners who tuned in for the first episode, you'll know that when I read through the first Hellboy, I'm like, you know what? This is how I remembered Hellboy. I'm really vibing with it, but I don't think I'm loving it. It has elements there that I really like, but it's not coming together for me as a whole piece. But is
0: that still how you feel?
1: General? Bum, 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 bum. No. It's not how I still feel.
2: Hooray! Hooray! I hate it. Hooray! No, just Hooray! kidding. Oh.
1: <laughs> I, 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 I fell in her. love with Hellboy in this, in this um, this omnibus. I think. Hell
0: yeah, you did. And yeah.
1: it comes down to the Crooked Man. i
0: hell yeah, you fell did. in
1: love with the Crooked Man. It's the and best. It's the best. It's lovely. I think it hits on so many great themes. I'm a sucker for, like, American um, folklore. I'm a sucker for anything that feels like a campfire story, and this definitely did. The Crooked Man is one of the most unnerving um, character and monster designs I've seen in any comic ever. It's probably the most unsettling piece of imagery I've seen in a Western comic in God knows how long. And I... whenever a comic is able to make me like actually like kind of repel from the page a little bit and feel a little repulsed, it it's fucking won my heart. There's nothing else I can say. It was, it was great. Mike McNola cooks throughout this entire book, but there was something really special about the crooked man that made me say, okay, you know what? I get it. I see the vision. And then it hit us later with that story about the, the heart beneath the house. Mm -hmm. I've been doing a little bit of Edgar Allan Poe rereading this year. So I'm like, fuck yeah. Um, (laughs) I loved the luchadors. I loved the story where we hit on all the like classic monsters, villains there, where we, he fought Frankenstein and then Dracula was there. And so was the Wolfman, and ghost popped in. It's just, this was a fun ride. I was, I was hoping to get to see like where the story would go. Cause that's like, my main thing is like, I, I feel like I got a little bit of a grasp on that in the first volume. I'm like, I'm, I'm interested to see where this goes. And I thought that going over the short stories next was going to kind of derail me a bit. But I actually think it just won me over on the concept. And this character, everything is going to go through. This was this was a great read. I had a lot of fun with it. And I'm very excited to read the next bunch of short stories. I'm excited to read the next chapter of Hellboy. It's absolutely wonderful. This character has really endeared himself to me. Which, you know, wasn't hard. Because I'm pretty sure, if nothing else about Hellboy, the character of Hellboy himself was always very, very... <laughs> near to my heart. so, And I can't wait to talk more about the themes and his his character growth throughout the series later, because I think there's some really great and interesting points that this character touches on very well.
0: I just can't lose. I (sighs) feel so chuffed. Chuffed is the word I would use. I feel like a happy small dog. Is how I feel. Think about a very happy Pomeranian. That's how I feel right now. Man, Hellboy, as you know, one of my favorite guys, one of my favorite comics of all time. And this short story collection, frankly, these most of my favorite short stories are from this. I am fascinated to read short story collection, too, because apparently every short story I remember is in this one. So that will essentially be a new read for me. That is not speaking to the quality of that at all. That is speaking to the quality of my Swiss cheese mind. All the ones I remember from this. And it was astonishing. I am so, so happy that we get to talk about Richard Corbin in this. Richard Corbin is the GOAT. Frankly, Mike Mignola, he is the Hellboy artist. No one's questioning that. But runner-up and essential to an understanding of Hellboy and appreciation of Hellboy is Richard Corbin. And then... And then following that, in a very close third place, is Duncan Fregredo, who is the go-to alternative Hellboy artist now. He was the artist that just did Giant Robot Hellboy, where Hellboy fought a bunch of kaiju in an Iron Giant-style suit. It was amazing. Duncan Fregredo drew the hell out of that. It was fun to see him do all sorts of different mediums in something like the Midnight Circus. I think when Hellboy is used as not only a showcase for Mike Mignola's favorite things, which are the folklore from around the world and grumpy blue collar guys who have to solve it, but also his favorite artists from around the world. He got Fabio moon and Gabriel Ba to do art on this. The team from day tripper who Do not need to take a side hustle from anybody. Came to draw two of the stories from Hellboy Mexico. Incredible. This is a visual treat. Dave Stewart and Matt Hollingsworth color the hell out of this book. Pun intended, folks. I think... I like starting with Seed of Destruction and Omnibus 1. I think it's important to... Get your feet in the larger story of Hellboy. But if you're just looking for a good old time and you like Anne are looking to fall in love with the character of Hellboy, you will love the complete short stories. Volume one. This is absolutely something you can hand someone. This is something I I'm beginning to wax annoying as hell in my older years. As I approach 27, the ripe old age of 27, I start to think about like books that I am excited to show my kids at some point because I want kids in like the next five years or so. And like, I'm excited to hand them Hellboy for the first time. I'm excited. Like, they're going to get to start way younger than me. And I'm going to hand this to an 11 year old and be like, get ready to have your brain come out your ears and just hand them Hellboy and watch them fall in love and then watch them get way too scared of the crooked man because I forgot how freaky he is. But. That's what being a dad's all about is showing age inappropriate things to your kids. That's why I watched Alien at like nine years old.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I was really young. It was younger than nine, Dallas.
0: I was very small when I watched Alien. I'm pretty sure I was
3: three. So I
0: I was very small. That's why I
3: had nightmares.
0: My dad. My dad was like no movie from the 80s was inappropriate for kids. Was kind of his rule, but also he remembered a lot of movies from the eighties from basically nineteen seventy one to nineteen ninety nine was the eighties in my dad's head. And so all <laughs> movies from there appropriate for children. And he no. wasn't about to watch a child a kid show. So that's why we yeah. watched it all. We watched it all with him, the whole gambit.
2: And
1: And you turned out okay. <laughs> questionable, but <laughs> up for debate.
2: Yeah, you want to yeah. traumatize your kids, that's a good sign. All right. True.
0: True. Um, it did give me an irrational fear of Gollum, though, but that's oh. neither here nor there. I think
3: our entire and the family Grinch. is traumatized by, oh, The Grinch. Well, first
0: off, The Grinch is a horror movie. So, <laughs> does Evan out. know
3: this lore of Dallas? I don't think so. The so, Dallas lore? okay, yeah. The
0: very earliest <laughs> theater memory I have was going to see Jim Carrey's Grinch, and I would have been just I was like three I had I was about to be four but I was three years old and we went to see the Grinch and he scared the piss out of me and so I made my parents leave early from the Grinch because I was like too scared and then I went home and my parents put me down to sleep and I was all wound up and then I woke up in the middle of the night and it must have been my cat but I was convinced that the Grinch was on the end of my bed. And so in the middle of the night, I jumped up like in a little jumping jack pose and just screamed in my high pitched voice. The Grinch is on my bed! And just like zoomed down the hall into my parents' room, just sh- shrieking down the hall. It's just
1: The Grinch is on my bed! The Grinch is on my bed!
0: And I like leapt into their bed uh, because
1: the Grinch was on my bed.
0: And the, I I did not watch the Grinch until two years ago. Holy wow. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't circle back around until two years ago. I was like, it's finally time. Jeez. Hindsight.
3: What did they think oh. I just realized when you were three going on four and that came out, I assume around Christmas,
0: mm-hmm.
3: I had just been bored. That, that literally. Home. They he probably was going did. A lot. That was mom's first outing. And she was like, this son of a bitch kid. <laughs> he screams and runs <laughs> down this hallway one more time. Oh hilarious yeah,
0: the Grinch was on my bed it
2: scared <laughs> Casino, me so bad
3: because you know the cat was the Grinch
2: oh. it's so crazy because the movie ends with him being like the good
3: guy yeah he's the good I guy didn't he guy didn't get the, to the end
2: oh, yeah. oh, that's right. no, I made them leave
3: <laughs> they left early he was stealing Christmas
2: he <laughs> out, villain. out. <laughs> he's a good guy I was I'm wrong. Just, I should revive no. my questions against the world. But no, no. you go no. like we gotta <laughs> kill this guy. <laughs> we gotta get out of here. We, we gotta beat this me? guy to death with sticks.
1: Like what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna that say, was say a... it's crazy because it's Jim Carrey, but you know also that that's yeah. fine. <laughs> the scary is hell. Crazy. Jim I'm Scary. Sorry, Jim's yeah. Scary.
0: Jim, so true, and Jim Scary. Believe <laughs> that's her short story she just wrote with
2: Jim <laughs> <Jim's> Scary. <laughs> it
0: was about, a little boy who's terrified of Jim Carrey on the end of his bed.
2: Specifically about the Grinch version of Jim Carrey. Yeah. Specifically. Yeah. It's a hey,
0: really a really harrowing tale. Actually, be a, be a
2: fire oh, like, poem. Really I, I think. hairy Tale. <laughs> <But on laughs> the Grinch. Was Goodbye. Hairy, and also, use a cat. Your cat on the end of your bed. Yeah, <laughs> my
0: my Siamese cat named Casino. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you really are the next Lovecraft. <laughs> <laughs> I know, mean, that's not. <laughs> <laughs> not <a new> <laughs> Games, Love... look up Lovecraft's cat's name. All right, I'm done. Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Don't look up Lovecraft's
0: cat's name.
2: We gotta learn. We gotta learn sometime. <laughs> Might as well do it early.
0: Just I remember. I remember not knowing that going into Lovecraft and being mm-hmm. about three stories deep. Like, what the hell is going on here? as i don't even remember the name of it but it's the one about like the egyptian god that's like sneaking in to like good christian neighborhoods and i was like this is whack and so i remember i typed into google <laughs> was lovecraft racist <laughs> question mark and they're like yeah dummy oh, we my news for you <laughs> boy do we have news for you guess what his cat's name was crazier and... than you think <laughs> more racist than you think you might be thinking real racist wait lexi do you know You should Google it right now.
3: Use yourself
2: and Google it. Yeah, uh, read it out loud. No, just
3: kidding.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So while she does that, I'm gonna give a quick summary of the first two stories because I mean, the very first one is so short that we should lump them both together. Alexis. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no! It's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. Um, the first oh. story of this, written and drawn by Mike Manola, is the two-pager Pancakes. This is a lovely short story we will touch on, but I want to lump in as well the Midnight Circus by Mike Magnola, obviously with art by Duncan Figredo, colors by Dave Stewart, and letters by Pat Brazian, who does some great letters in here. What do we think of pancakes? There's a very famous Hellboy short story. Everybody knows it. What do we think of it?
3: You know Pancakes fucking rocks. Talks, oh. It does rock. As somebody who has a literal five pound bag of pancake mix in my kitchen, I understand. I love pancakes. <laughs> they rule.
0: Would pancakes keep you out of hell? No.
3: For sure. I mean yes. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know the right answer. She said 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 it's so like impassioned. For
2: sure. Yes. (laughs)
1: I've never had a pancake in hell, (sighs) so who knows? Yeah. You've been to hell?
0: I've never had a worthwhile pancake. (laughs) I hate pancakes.
1: Whoa. Wait, what? What? Holy
3: shit.
0: Yeah, pancakes suck. (gasps) What's your favorite breakfast food?
1: Mm. Never.
3: Gravy.
0: Biscuits and gravy.
1: Okay, sure. See now,
3: oh, that Now you,
1: now you have you to like come to so Ohio. Cool. I need to give you a Clifton Mill pancake. It'll change your life. Chili on it. Yes.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> you exactly like never like gonna believe too. this. It's topped with chili this. and guys. Not the, not the candy, the poisonous fruit. You're gonna fucking yeah. <laughs> dig in and you're gonna love it. I thought you said, I thought you said Popeyes.
2: I got really <laughs> excited. I <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, oh, like, oh, never mind. Oh, you, you might be oh, out of something. Oh, oh,
1: Incorrect, oh. though. You're chicken and what? And Pancakes
2: and Popeyes? That's nice. Pancakes and Popeyes. Chicken and pancakes. Waffles, and and right nice.
0: pancake. oh, yeah, what the hell? You're like, Dallas, you're never gonna believe this. We put spaghetti in the pancake. And it's foul. I don't hate it.
3: It's not even a real pancake. It's just a pancake.
0: How do people eat, like,
2: Like elf. (laughs) Like buddy and elf. (laughs) Yeah, throw some chili on that, some syrup. That sounds great. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck's going on in this?
1: (laughs) And you know what? Buddy and elf is so fucking happy at all times, and no one asks why. Hey, hey, hey. hey.
0: Real quick, did you know that more astronauts have come from Ohio than anywhere else? It's because, because they sometimes... want to get away from the state. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes the quickest <laughs> way to Ohio is straight into the sky. <laughs> sometimes you cannot run fast enough to get away from chili on spaghetti. That is crazy. <laughs> Are you kidding me? They showed him a single skyline chili, and they're like, "Blast me to Mars!" Get the fuck out of here! I cannot get far enough away. Man, from chili I on want a to pancake. Ride the skyline
1: chili. I appreciate you so much, Lexi. You're the only person here I like. My I love you. I no.
2: astrophysics to get out of this. That. <laughs> it's <That's> crazy. <laughs> it means <laughs> <crazy.
0: laughs> <It was laughs> pack three to never see Dayton, Ohio again. <laughs> They said Columbus, Ohio, goodbye. Goodbye.
1: There you go, fuck Columbus. (laughs) No, fuck Cleveland. Fuck Cleveland.
0: Wait, wait, hey. No, I I was going to say universal message. Fuck Columbus. But
2: Ohio, (laughs) the person... All good things here. Um, Speaking of good things, Hellboy Pancakes is a very good and iconic short story. And the reason yeah. behind that is because it's surprising, quick, fun, to the point. It gives you everything you need to know about the universe. And it's a nice break from the very serious nature of the book.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree. I think Midnight Circus is a really great chaser after this because Little Kid Hellboy is delightful. They're a really big part of the short stories that are going on right now is an exploration of Kid Hellboy because it's largely unexplored territory other than these two short stories here. What did we think of Kid Hellboy and what did we think of Duncan Fogredo's incredible art in the Midnight Circus?
2: I like the art. I like the art a lot. I, this isn't my favorite story in this collection. I think it's the problem. Um, but I do think the art is fantastic. And again, it does do... It's, it's a Hellboy story, so it can't be bad. Like, they're all good. I can't remember... Like, the, the only one I didn't like was, like, Seed of Destruction. And even then, I read it and I was like, it's so fine. You know? Um, but Young Hellboy, I think, is interesting. I think it's one of those things that I'd rather explore later than now. So my interest level is not as high in it. Like, I, I keep... With Hellboy, because it's like one of the best comics of all time, but it's not Osaji Ujimbo. Uh, but Osaji Ujimbo does something similar where you're following this character for a while and then you see him when he's younger. And there's a big shift in how you see this character's growth because of that. Because Osaji uh, Ujimbo we know is very collected and calm and uh, set in his ways. And he's just like a ronin wandering. And when he's younger, he's very cocky. He's uh, not very polished. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And he has to be you know ran against the river in order to become a polished stone versus uh i made that metaphor up right now and versus hellboy who is someone we just kind of met we met him for like technically four volumes but it still felt a little bit early for me to want to see him as a kid and get to know the difference um so because of that it's, it's harder for me to fall in love with young hellboy right now i think um, but I guess it also makes sense because this story wasn't supposed to be told right now. It came much later. So. Yes.
0: What do you think of kid Hellboy Lex and Duncan Figredo's art?
3: I love young Hellboy. And I think that I might have a kind of a different opinion than Evan as someone who's just got introduced to the character. I like seeing little Evan. I mean, not yes. Little Evan. Uh- <laughs> No,' <laughs> health boy. <Sorry>. Uh, <laughs> out water oh my God <laughs> water out. That's hilarious. Um, No, I think he's very fun. I kind of like having a little bit of context to his character, you know. Um, I like... I don't know. I liked the concept of him like having this experience and wanting to go back to his home. If that makes sense, like finding comfort in his pseudo dad, his adoptive dad that he has and running, wanting to run back to the professor like that. That was very heartwarming, even though it was a terrible, scary story for a a child Hellboy. But I really liked how they incorporated it. I really liked having that with a fresh set of eyes on the character of Hellboy. I feel like it gave a lot of context to why he is the way he is and like why his life started that way if that makes sense. So,
0: I would I would add to that as well. It's a really great reiteration of the themes we got from Hellboy in Seed of Destruction where Hellboy is a character who is going to choose his own destiny, right? He as like Pancakes hits on this, the Midnight Circus hits on this. Hellboy is a product of hell who in the question of nature versus nurture has been nurtured to be a good man who does not want to participate in his destiny. And so even though he is destined to be a destroyer of worlds, destined to be the, the beast of the apocalypse, right? He will not do that. He'll eat the pancakes and he'll be a happy little boy. He will not go and stay at the circus. I loved the Duncan for show. Don't tell storytelling of, The mirror that showed Hellboy who he was going to be by the end of this story. And then on the next page, seeing the two circus people are actually the demons from hell trying to lure Hellboy back down to his destiny. And obviously the monkeys and the lions like this whole circus are a bunch of demons trying to capture Hellboy again, and they just can't do it. Like even as a little kid, Hellboy refuses to participate in this destiny that's been set out for him. And I think that obviously this is retroactive. This is written after the finale in Hellboy in Hell, but it's fun with that retroactive nature to show these seeds sowed so early in his life. How about you, Ant? What did you think of the painterly style of the art of Duncan Fregredo? And the the colors from Dave Stewart are just
1: incredible. I think the colors were wonderful. I especially loved the difference between like the quote unquote current story that was happening, but also that quick flashback to, you know, Hellboy before when he was reading the comic book and it flips back to like this more like golden age style. I thought being able Mm -hmm. to do both of those was absolutely wonderful. And I don't know. It was, it was really interesting because I think so much of what makes Hellboy work is his character design is so perfectly suited for that very specific angular style that Mike Mignola has made his his signature, and to see it come into like almost three dimensions is something that could have very easily, in the hands of like a less skilled artist, fallen apart. But I think it actually comes across very well. I think the character is still believable. I think the character, especially for the story, I think it's smart because the character has a lot of relatability in his design. He's just hes just a kid. He's just a boy. And you feel that innocence throughout this entire comic. And I think that's what this specific story does best. Um, I, I thought it worked really, really well to kind of give art that would humanize the character a bit like that.
0: It's like that meme of the little beagle, where it's like, look at my dog and I go, what breed is that? He goes,
1: he's just a little boy. <laughs>
0: that's, <laughs> that's how I feel about that That's the story, boy.
1: yeah. I... And also, you know what? Hellboy's stronger than me. I would have gone to hell for
2: Gamori. I would have, you know. I, you yeah. I know you no, would have.
1: Yeah. The that's fact not that,
2: nasty. I was gonna say, the fact that like, he was just like us, Like he folded immediately and the, like, someone just had to pull him out of it, you know? <laughs> so I get it. We are all Hellboy. That that's
1: that's a, you know, forgive the pun, a hell of a character design. She killed it. She slayed. We're gonna see her later, right? Yes. Fuck. I mean, um, who could say?
0: Uh, yeah, her. What?
1: No, oh, this story, I already well after the, the fact, last ten seconds.
2: Boop, yeah, it's gone. Imagine if at the end of like if that short story, ends with her being like, "Kill my uncle," you say. Interesting. Can you imagine they <laughs> told her like, "All right," and she never showed up again. That <laughs> crazy. The end. Well, that was a fun character. Hope you didn't like her. <laughs> I mean it is comic books. It is comic book yeah. like Comic
1: books. The fucking other Cunningham brother from Happy Days just never shows up again. What happened to him? What are you talking about? We never we're had another brother.
2: A, yeah, we're back to our home planet or
0: whatever. 3D Hellboy feels a little bit like the Jimmy Timmy Power Hour when Timmy Turner got sucked into Jimmy Neutron world <gasps> oh. and got <laughs> turned 3D. That's 3D Hellboy.
2: Also, I really like how the art style switches as soon as he gets to the circus. I thought that was a really nice touch that really kind of like made the whole story pop and come together in a cool way.
0: Absolutely. Um, I want to roll into the next couple short stories. We have The Nature of the Beast and King Vold, both drawn by Mike Mignola. These, if looking at the artwork they seem to be a similar period of Mignola. A really fun part about this collection is it's not necessarily in chronological order. And so you can see different periods of Mignola. Like The Corpse is one of the oldest comics in here, right there at the end. And you can see the much more akin to Seed of Destruction era Mike Mignola art than something like The Nature of the Beast, which isn't quite to, let's say, Hellboy in Hell, but it is certainly a progression of the style. So just a quick summation. Nature of the Beast is our first experience with the Osiris Club, which is something that will keep coming up in Hellboy. It's a group of old occult guys who keep calling on Hellboy to be like, good sir, yes, hello, could you go investigate this thing, please? And Hellboy's always like, I I hate you guys, but sure. And so off a mission from the Osiris Club, he goes to investigate a dragon in England who was slain by a monk who, because he was so holy when he died, his blood watered the ground and made a bunch of lilies grow. This dragon is back and it's as bad as ever. And so the Osiris Club, as part of an experiment to figure out something about Hellboy, which we don't know what that is yet promise it will become apparent later on, we send Hellboy to fight a dragon and see what happens. And then before we hop into that, I want to say King Vold is very much of a piece with this, where Professor Broom sends Hellboy to Norway to go help out an old friend who's trying to see the ghost of King Vold, an old Viking myth. And this guy... Classic folly. He's in it for greed, guys. He makes Hellboy fight a giant wolfman so that he can make a quick buck. That quick buck does, in fact, not go the way he planned. And he has a pretty sad ending while Hellboy just kind of goes about his day. Both of these stories are peak Hellboy in that Hellboy gets his ass kicked. And then the story says, here is some intervening something that saves Mm. the day and then whoever is not hellboy has a real hard time because of this story (laughs) and it's one of the best hellboy things like someone in a, a cosmonaut marcus's youtube channel talked about batman recently and he said batman is allowed to get his ass kicked really hard once per movie and then he has to overcome that and be an ass kicker or else this whole greatest in the world thing doesn't really hold much water And I don't know if I agree with that one way or the other, but Hellboy is the exact opposite. Hellboy needs to lose constantly. And then the story plot armor needs to go. And then you'll never believe it. The whole building collapsed and saved Hellboy. (laughs) Because that's my boy. That's my boy saved by the Mignola architecture around him. What did we think of the nature of the beast and King Vold?
1: Listen, Hellboy getting his ass kicked throughout this entire short story collection was the funniest thing in the world to me. awesome. Because I, I wrote in my notes just all all caps, Hellboy gets ass kicked question mark underline and it just kept coming at, it kept coming back, kept coming back. Also, I love it when it's young Hellboy that gets his ass kicked because it's always his dad that sends him out somewhere. He gets his ass kicked and he comes back and he's just standing in the doorway like, I got, I threw up, I threw up, and I got punched
0: in the face till I got threw up. In the
1: face. <laughs> <laughs> and his dad's like, "How is school, son?" And he's like, "Got stabbed." <laughs> got beat up, got crushed, everything's bad. But I the I loved the Worm story so much. I loved the dragon. I love a fucking great dragon and there's so much in the art style here. Like I love this Magnolia. I love this Era of Magnolia so much cuz it's so oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's iconic, it's subtle, it's wonderful. The the slow build up to the um <laughs> the dragon's appearance and then the dragon itself. An excellent character design. I love it. Very crocodilian. Very, like, realistic but fanciful at the same time. And I don't... There, there's the simple panel that, like, blew me away just because it's... It it blew me away with its simplicity. It's the one where he's standing in the grass. And it's some of the best, like, grass blowing in the wind that I've ever seen in my entire life. You can almost hear the panel even though there's no sound. And there's nothing there. He just shaded it. He just shaded it a little bit. And it gave the perfect illusion of a field of grass... And I was losing my mind at that. And I realized that's part of what makes Mignola special is just he's a magician. All artists are magicians because they just draw lines on a page and they make you think you're looking at something that isn't actually there. And he does it so, so well using shadow, using really angular and awkward lines. And it's just, he's one of a kind. I think
0: this also represents him starting to feel comfortable enough to give setting beats one of my favorite mm-hmm. things about hellboy are the panels that just set the mood Just like here's a cool yes. statue here's a flower here's a tree here's a field like these pages are busy but they are busy with little details that set a mood and that is just peak mignola i don't know anyone else that does that quite like mignola
1: The bird slowly stopping its chirping as the dragon gets closer and then flying off. That was peak suspense. I love that so much. Even just the
0: slow rollout of him saying, come and get it, tough guy, where we don't like we're not allowed to see the dragon until after it's already beat up Hellboy. That's awesome. It is so cool that he sees it off page before we do. And then it kicks the shit out of him. It's awesome. The, the implied action is amazing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Evan, what did you think of The Nature of the Beast?
2: Uh, I liked it. I like both of these uh, a lot. Uh, I don't have too much I, don't think I can say that you guys haven't already said. I really like this recurring theme of Hellboy, though, where, again, he's a monster with humanity inside him. And I think it's very uh, on the nose, you know, that he bleeds and you know, flowers grow in in his wake, right? So I think that's very telling of the kind of like inner nature story, of, like the, the inner theme of the story being like what's beneath the surface and uh, who you are within rather than what the world wants you to be or who you appear to be. Um, I think it's just, again, that recurring theme. Mike Manola's art is always welcome. and It's always beautiful. Uh, and King Vold, I think, it's just a nice, quick tale. Nice, quick, cautionary tragedy tale. Uh, how gets his ass kicked dog show up, kick his ass some more and gold. <laughs> I
0: love the Mike Mignola school of let's have a jacked guy with little legs and an animal head. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's one of the best schools, frankly, in this, just in this book, we have a wolf that is a jacked guy with little legs and a wolf head later on. We've got a jacked guy with little legs and a pig head. Last book, we had a jack guy with little legs and a bulldog head. It's just, it's an unbeatable character design. I'm sorry. There's no better monster than jack guy with little legs and an animal head. Yeah. There was a little bow-legged. I like that, too. I love it. I love everything about it. Alexis, you it's said... almost like. Oh, sorry. Oh, you go. No, you, you, you. I
1: was gonna say it's almost like there's a consistent theme through this book of the man and the monster and the relationship between the two, almost like the relationship between good and evil that's inherent in everyone. But you know what, big head, little guy, it's great. Lexi, yeah, it's almost like the story's trying to
2: say something deeper about like guys with big chests and small legs. Like never skip <laughs> leg day. Never skip leg day.
0: <laughs> They're actually I'm, saying I'm, guys with always long. <laughs> Guys with long torsos have rights too, and that's <laughs> oh, an important okay. message for me. <laughs> As a guy who is now wearing high-waisted pants more and more to offset his
2: long torso, Dallas, I got a lot of feelings for this. We gotta get you in a crop top, dog. Dude, I have I really a few. Show that torso! Hell yeah, man! I got some. I got. When some. When we go on vacation together, I'm gonna wear my crop top. You wear yours. Yeah, we'll touch bellies. <laughs>
3: Mm. There you go. Oh, and sweet. drink Mountain News. Wow, you'll really One,
0: fit
3: in two, in Moab. <clears throat> Wow, that was. You're welcome, folks. Cute.
0: Alexis, talk about King Vold, which you I said you like.
3: Liked it. I like magical things.
0: Period. Mark, I liked it. Period. <laughs> welcome to the Alexis Collective.
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Really though, this podcast would be significantly shorter if it was just my thoughts. I thought it was pretty good. Was great. Thank you for joining us. See you again next week. <laughs> you know what Carson called me the other day? He called me Morty. Because he was like, you don't really have you say a lot of things, but a lot of them don't mean anything sometimes. And I was like, wow, thanks. So
1: oh geez, thanks, Greg. Oh Thank geez, Greg thanks, everybody. <laughs> oh geez, that was pretty great.
3: Ten out of ten. Would recommend. Um no, but I too like the character concept of all of these muscular men with their animal heads. I like that they're crazy and I think it's kind of fun. Like, And I also liked how the wolf was different in every single panel. And he was like, mm-hmm. what is going on? I thought that was very funny. And I also like how uh, Hellboy gets his ass kicked every single time. Cause I'm like, oh, he's just like us for real. <laughs>
0: I think we're also really starting to see Mignola use the shadows to shape the characters because like hell boy, when you flip through this, the actual amount of red is way smaller than you think it's going to be because he is always cast in shadow. The reveal Alexis touched on where the wolf goes from being a wolf to being a wolf man to being a man in a wolf pelt is it's all cast in shadow until that last reveal of the man's face to show us that these are Viking berserkers that King Vold has dragged his chariot around. I think these stories also represent the beginning of what we'll see in the main story, but really see a lot of in Hellboy short stories is Mike Mignola's interest in a specific tidbit of folklore of the week that he is, a studier of world history, world folklore, and he loves to tie it in to Hellboy. Hellboy, if there's a weird tale from around the world, Hellboy's gonna go be a part of it, baby. He's gonna see what is what, especially if it comes from the weird parts of Europe. It, he's going there, baby. He is going to the weird Krampus style stuff in Bavaria. Like he's hitting it, baby. Constantly, it's always a good time. So that leads us to what I think will be the bulk of the conversation. And I am going to talk about all of these as a big chunk. Hellboy in Mexico. So for the uninitiated, Hellboy spent five months in Mexico in the 1950s. Our story begins with him Telling us the backstory of how he joined a troop of luchadors, which, as a question later on will inform us, are inspired by a series of movies that were produced and are very popular in Mexico about luchador brothers who fight universal style monsters. And there are like 60 of these movies, and they all rule. And Hellboy basically gets to go team up with these guys from the movies that Mike Magnola liked, Fighting Monsters. There is a tragedy at the end of the opening Hellboy in Mexico story where one of the brothers is transformed into a monster and Hellboy is forced to defeat him in a luchador professional wrestling match wherein the guy dies. Hellboy then goes on a five-month bender that we get to see little snippets in. One where Hellboy, drawn by Mike Mignola, fights an Aztec mummy. And then... Hellboy gets married to surprise a demon lady. You might think, but actually it's, and he gets a scary snake ring that makes him keep his promise, keep his vows of marriage until he fights a bunch of zombie conquistadors. And then the snake is like, mad respect, yo, you're safe. And he's not married anymore. So the lesson there is if you can beat up colonizers, the demons will respect you. And then we get The Coffin Man, which is a two part story drawn, like I said earlier, first by Gabriel or Fabio Moon, and then by Gabriel Ba. These are stories about Hellboy trying to get a curse lifted for a little girl in a village in Mexico, trying to bring her dad back from this guy called The Coffin Man who's going to steal the body and use it for ill magical purposes. We then wrap up our story with House of the Living Dead, once again drawn by Richard Corbin, wherein, like Anne said earlier, Hellboy has to fight all the universal monsters. He first has to fight a Frankenstein's monster. He then fights a wolfman. He then fights a vampire, which one of the best beats in the story is the vampire. Followed, like Anne pointed out, with a ghost And a sort of wrapping up about Hellboy's emotional state here in Mexico and circling us back to the ending that we know where Hellboy is alone in a bar and gets found by the people who have been looking for him for the last five months. The BPRD tracks down Hellboy and brings him home. This period is left intentionally vague so it can be regularly returned to and as We touched on and we're going to touch on a bunch more. It is primarily drawn by Richard Corbin, who is one of the greatest Hellboy artists of all time. He passed away last year, which was really sad. His artwork will live on forever, though. He has drawn so many wonderful things. There are some beautiful collections of all of his artwork, both comics and heavy metal albums, paperback covers for fantasy novels he was a person who loved the dark the gothic the fantastical and he made hellboy that much more special so let's talk kind of broadly about hellboy in mexico because all these weave together pretty well uh let's do Anne first then alexis then evan and then i'll wrap up the conversation Anne,
1: i i think it's a great use of some really wonderfully fun vignettes to tell an overarching tale of Hellboy struggling to come to terms with the fact that the person he wants to be is going to have consequences, that there's going to be pain and loss that comes with his choice to be someone better than who he was destined to be. He's going to be fighting against his destiny this entire his entire life, and this is his first real taste of what that means and it means you know a heavy cost doing the right thing often has a heavy cost and for hellboy as protagonist for hellboy as a hero this has a really significant like meaning to meaning to him as a character meaning to us as an audience this is a journey he had to go through and seeing his struggles the highs and lows of him coming to accept that is really really great really really interesting i love every single beat in this it's it's really wonderful um yeah i i had a blast i thought the art was absolutely fantastic no matter who was doing it i i vibe with it switching art styles between magnola i thought would throw me off a lot more considering how iconic he is with hellboy but i didn't really feel like i skipped a beat for any of these stories he does a great job Mike Manuel does a great
0: job of curating the artists that will be on Hellboy that they always Mm -hmm. feel of a piece. And the largest connector is sticking this whole time with Dave Stewart or Matt Hollingsworth. I think the creative continuity through all these pencils are, I I'm sorry, the color continuity through all of these pencils does so much to make it all feel like it is still happening in the world of Hellboy. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, just. Richard Corbin draws the hell out of a luchador. Like, I love Mike Manola; He is the king. I am so glad Richard Corbin got to draw all these luchadors. They look so good. You can see the fabric of their costume when Richard Corbin draws it. And they, they seem like guys in leotards and cloth masks fighting monsters. And that is awesome. Lexi, what did you think of Hellboy in Mexico?
3: Um, Hellboy in his luchador costume will live rent-free in my mind for the rest of my life. Because, first of all, the blue against the red, I don't think I've ever seen something more iconic. He should just wear that all the time because of how entertaining it is. Um, but no, I really, I really loved the, um... Like the lore of the five months in Mexico. I think that's very interesting. And to kind of see him go through the stages of grief of like how he couldn't rescue his friend and be there for his friend to see how he coped with alcohol and that resulted in all of these things happening to him and him stumbling into these things. And I feel like it was super big character building for him to see how deeply affected he is by losing those people close to him. And I thought it was really interesting because I totally see how this feeds into how last time we thought he was so intuitive and watching over every person that got assigned to be his buddy for all of his tasks because he knows what it's like to lose that person. And he never really fully forgave himself. And I feel like that I mean, we keep saying it time and time again, but that just really shows the person that he is on the inside, which is so special in my opinion. So I loved that little tidbit of lore. I was like, ooh, I see what's going on here. So I love the Hellboy
0: in Mexico. That's great, great observation. I did not pick up on that. That's really cool. That continuity from Mexico to who he is in Seed of Destruction. That's a really good catch. Very I awesome. would also say... Going into next month's volume, uh, keep track of that Hellboy dissociating with alcoholism because I don't want to I don't want to throw too many <laughs> things out there. But uh, I might come back up. Uh, I might just say that that might be a character flaw. You might want to <laughs> keep an eye on. What Alexis? I mean, I, I'm just fishing for everybody to talk about it. What did you think of Richard Corbin's art next to? I mean, just right here in the middle of Hellboy in Mexico, we have Mike Mignola returning to show the Aztec mummy. And that page of Hellboy and the giant green mask in the sky is incredible. Mike Manola's untouched. But what do you think of the specific style that Richard Corbin brought to these Mexico stories?
3: I just feel like they gave them that special flair, if that makes sense. Like, it made it seem different in a good way. So like it highlighted the fact that they're in a different place, they're doing different things and it kind of encapsulated this special feel with this portion Mm -hmm. of the story in my opinion. Like I feel like it bled so easily with the normal style of art that we do see for Hellboy but it just... I don't know. I, I don't really know if I have the right words for it but I... I just feel like it perfectly encapsulates the time in Mexico, if that makes sense. <laughs> I don't it, know how best gives, to say that, but
1: it gives it the, it. Uh, sorry, it gives it its own identity. It makes it feel like it's its own thing, which it should. It, I was going to say <clears throat> hot take, but I think I like um, that art style better than um, Gabriel Boz here, just because I think Gabriel's is so similar to Magnolia's that. I, I wanted more of that uniqueness in this, in this setting. I I loved that. It felt like its own thing. I agree. I
0: think one of my favorite panels though, is the Fabio Ba old dead man sitting out on a hill all by himself. That is mm. one of the most Fabio oh, moon faces. That's one of the most Fabio moon faces I've ever seen. I am an enormous fan of day tripper. Um, we'll absolutely read it on the show at some point, but. That is a story all about death and reflections on life told through death. And so to have just this like forlorn dead man looking out over the sky, I was like, oh boy, I'm pulling out Day Tripper again. We're reading Day Tripper again. I love Day Tripper so much that it is one of the three comics my wife has read. She has read <laughs> Day Tripper because I love Day Tripper so much. But that's neither here nor there. Evan, talk to us about Hellboy in Mexico.
2: Yeah, like I said, this is my favorite uh, moment for Hellboy. It really brings out who he is as a character and what makes him special. It brings out his heart. And I think sometimes it's very unfortunate that both in real life and in stories that tragedy is usually where where kind of forge or a real identity comes out. And we really see that with Hellboy. I think one of the small things I really like about it is that in the end chapter, where he's fighting all the universal monsters and everything, um, he's wearing... Uh, a suit that's, like, very much modeled off the brothers. And he wears that the whole time. And it's interesting because when he was wrestling with the brothers before, he didn't wear uh, a wrestling suit. He just wore his regular get-up. And he didn't wear a wrestling suit that matched them when they were wrestling together, when they are fighting together. So I think him wrestling now in that suit is very specifically chosen. And it lasts the entire... He never takes it off, even when he's, like, not wrestling. So I think that's a really uh, great depiction of how that grief is still literally clinging on to him uh, and following him everywhere he goes. And it's not until he makes peace with that where he's finally able to, you know, he does, not you don't see him like taking off or anything, but that's where he finally like, he leaves that behind. And he also leaves Mexico behind after that, I think. So I really love all the themes that they're uh, trying to build on. Uh, I love the art. I think the artist before Fabio, I think is the one artist that really distracted me. I think it was too different from everyone else. Um, That's just like the story of like the wedding and everything. Uh, And I kind of like it because it does feel a little bit like, you know, it's a a cautionary tale about making deals with uh, devils and blah, blah, blah. So I kind of like that it's almost a folklore-esque look that's very different from the rest. But I think it's too distracting of a change-up for me. And also the whole tone of that story just feels a little bit more rushed than the rest of them for some reason. So for some reason, that really (laughs) broke up the... Mexico trip for me where I was like, ah, not a fan of that. But then the coffin man comes in. I'm like, all right, I'm back. We're back into it. Uh, mm-hmm. But overall, I love Hellboy in Mexico. I love the vignettes. I love uh, Hellboy's character. I love Esteban and the brothers. Um, and uh, Sonia's death is like really sad as well. And obviously the beat where <laughs> he kills uh, Dracula is very funny because it just happens so quick. It's so, so funny. <laughs> I
3: didn't even really realize what had happened I had to like go back on the pages and be like, did he just kill him? Did he- we just saw Dracula and then he's not there. Nothing happened with that. And then I realized what happened. I was like, oh,
1: okay. <laughs> <laughs> just so checking good. to see if you're paying attention.
2: Uh, And yeah, Richard Corbin, I really do. I like his art style. He's always one of those people that's like really hit or miss for me. And some, like I've read a a bunch of his work at this point. Uh, In some stories, I'm like, yeah, he's the perfect guy for this. And other times I'm like, his work is, his character models are very (laughs) grotesque. And sometimes it's off-putting too much for me. Um, But uh, I love him. I I, I first discovered him thanks to uh, Garth Ennis' Punisher Max series. Uh, the max imprint had a story, uh, where each one had, uh, sorry, each imprint in the max line had a story called the end and it was a one shot for each character. And so Punisher Max got one. And I think it was Garth Ennis's last story for that character as well, uh, on the, on the max side of things. And Richard Corbin was the artist on that. And it's a fantastic story. And it literally just could not work without, uh, Corbin's, uh, uh, input mm-hmm. so i really love him when he works and he works really well in hellboy uh i think it's also very nice that uh i think it makes like the story i don't want to say like it makes the story feel more real but the story does feel more textured and different and so it kind of brings some different types of uh, gravitas to the story um at least in the sense that it makes us pay attention to how different of an art style it is despite still feeling very true to the world um but yeah, I I absolutely love it. Richard
0: Corbin draws the heaviest boobs in all of comics. Those things are 84 pounds each. It is crazy. That is neither a positive. That is neither a positive nor negative. I just, I gotta say those are the heaviest boobs in comics. It is absolutely crazy. Richard Corbin. You're crazy for that. (laughs) Um, Also, on the strictly positive side, that bat head on the brother
1: terrifying is bananas. That is
0: one of the best faces of anything ever. Listen, big buff guy, little legs and an animal head done perfectly, baby. That bat head is nuts. And then when it comes back in the final story as like a part of his nightmare of all Mm -hmm. the things he's done wrong. Even scarier. To see a nightmare version of an already scary face. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I also, I like how like, Mike Minola draws everyone really angular and it almost seems like stained glass at times. I like how mm-hmm. Richard Corbin makes everyone robust and thick. Like everybody seems stout. Mm-hmm. And I like that. I like that the whole world seems a little bit more cylindrical when Richard Corbin's around. Everybody's got a big barrel chest. Everybody's everybody seems a little squat. I like it. Sturdy folk,
2: sturdy art. And... Also, one of the weird things I think about this story is that Wolfman pulls out a gun at one point. <laughs> <laughs> it's really <laughs> interesting to see this Wolfman who's like sentient enough to try to kill his prey, right? Like that's really weird. Like I know he's like the bullet was supposed to be for himself, so when he starts mm-hmm. to turn, he could take it out, but he was a coward. Um, but I think it's really funny. This image—it's not a funny moment, but go, <laughs> going back now in retrospect, it's a very funny moment of a wolf man popping up in the stairs. A woman being like, "Don't come any closer!" And he pulls out a gun. <laughs> no,
1: I mean, <laughs> it's, how has it never happened before? You look at those wolf wolf men, and you're like, "Shit, they got hands." Yeah, they, they could. What can they do with those hands?
2: They can use a gun. <laughs> a gun. <laughs> <laughs> and this is foreshadowing for Volume Two, so everybody I, I was thinking about that. <laughs> One of the
1: greatest—he's got a
2: gun. But that has to be the most recognizable Hellboy thing ever. I think. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah,
0: when Alexis gets to it, it's gonna—it's gonna rock her world. Oh yeah, it's so good. I mean, there's a great reaction image here of the Wolfman pulling out the gun and holding the gun out like that's—that's that's ready for social media right there, baby. Those two panels right in a row—that's so funny. <laughs> I also, I mean, a huge part of, I agree with you, Evan, the only artwork that I bounced off of a little bit was Mick McCann, Mick Mahone's, um, Hellboy, the marriage of Hellboy story. And I think it was because in its cartoony style, it loses some of the dirt and grime of Hellboy's world. Mm-hmm. Hellboy lives in a world much like the original Star Wars, where everything is a little crappy and a little rundown and a little bit covered in dirt. There are going to be a lot of cobwebs. There are going to be a lot of crumbling architecture. And that's just part of what's going on here. And most artists really, really get that. And the, fee- the only times I ever bounce off of an artist on Hellboy is when things seem a little bit too clean and polished. Yeah. They don't understand that. People got dirt under their fingernails in a Hellboy comic.
2: I also think he just didn't use... I don't want to like be... This is a critique. It's not like me saying an the arts. I think the arts very good and everything. I think it was just kind mm-hmm. of misplaced with the story. I don't think he used his space well. Like, Mike Manola's negative space is used very specifically, I think. So mm-hmm. that every time it's... You know, every time there is detail, it very much is noticeable. And I think he just has a good understanding of where detail is or isn't needed, as well as, like, onomatopoeia through the lettering and everything the story doesn't have a lot of lettering outside of like like there's one blam but it's not really otherwise there's not really a lot utilized in there and then towards the end of the story it pretty much happens just during in the out in the open and it just it just feels very empty and just very character focused which again makes it feel like he's going for this old style of uh drawings or like looking at You know, when you go to like an old castle, you'll see like drawings on the wall or or sketched into the wall or painted on the wall, stuff like that. So he's definitely going for a certain feel and it does feel very like storytelling. I just think it just feels a little bit out of place here.
0: I mean, Hellboy is famous for its backgrounds, right? Last volume, we had a whole conversation about backgrounds and like exactly what you're saying. Most of these pieces are a character over negative space. And they're also very tight shots on those characters. I'm just reiterating yeah. everything you already said. <laughs> right. But it's, I mean, I think that's the difference, right? Like, yeah. and I think when you look at a comic book, you have an opportunity to say, like, that art is bad, which is stupid. Don't do that. <laughs> these people are professional artists that are drawing on a level that you do not, you know? But you can look at this artwork and say, here are the elements of this that make it fall short for this story, in my opinion. So, like, yeah. this artwork is brilliant. It's better than anything I could do. For a Hellboy story, it doesn't feel grounded enough in a complex, intricate world that yeah. Hellboy always feels. So I, I think you're exactly right. Uh,
1: approaching art discussion from a subjective viewpoint like adults? Uh, no. Co- what are you? Are you crazy? Ridiculous. Everything that isn't Dan Mora
0: or a Stuart Eminem knockoff is bad and ugly, and we should throw it away. Hell
1: yeah, there we go.
2: There's the is overrated. came here for. <laughs> Wait, what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. What's we all we all love Bruno Redondo, right? We all do. I would never say that. We've got David Aha at
0: home. Anyway, The Crooked Man, drawn by Richard Corbin, Written by Mike Mignola, Hellboy goes to Appalachia. And if you've ever learned anything, don't go to Appalachia. If you aren't from Appalachia, don't go there. They're, they're going to tell you, don't go up in those mountains. And then, lo and behold, you're going to go up in those mountains. The Crooked Man follows the story of Hellboy investigating a girl who has a curse put on her by some Appalachian witches. Those Appalachian witches, we find out, lured a young man into their witchcraft, and their leader, the Crooked Man, a man who has been around the Appalachians since well before the Revolutionary War and then well past World War II in this story, is still up in those mountains, still making deals. He is absolutely a stand-in for the devil here. Hellboy, therefore, stands between the crooked man and our man who's been sucked into witchcraft on sacred ground up in the appalachian mountains this is a very american christian witchcraft folktale like this feels very of a piece with something like the crucible this is a big part of like the american northeast especially this is a part of the conflict in those places in these stories and so hellboy Gets to dive into some strictly American folklore here in a way that he often does not. We get to fight a bunch of zombie skeletons, which is awesome. There's some amazing body horror from Richard Corbin. And Hellboy eventually helps save the day, and a witch gets turned into a horse that has Beware, I'm a Witch written on the side of it in paint. This is the longest of the singular short stories. Hellboy in Mexico is a little bit longer, but that is a series of short stories. What did we think of the beefy, the crooked man?
2: Masterpiece. Really gross. I love Mm. it. Mm -hmm. The raccoon crawling into the woman's skin. And then like her filling it out. Oh, that's so cool. If they could nail that in the movie, I'm going to lose my mind. That's all I want from the movie. If they do this in live action for some reason... If they nailed that scene, I will only give it a 10 out of 10 on Letterboxd.
0: That janky horse that walks up for the first time with the witch on her, dragging its head along the ground. <laughs> incredible. Everything is so grotesque in
1: this comic. It's perfect. Speaking of grotesque, Lexi, you and I are going to talk about the crooked man because I hate it. it had a visceral effect on you. I talk to me about that. I hate
3: it so much. Yeah. I loved the story, but I hate the crooked man. I don't ever want that in my brain ever again. I wish I could put soap in my brain and shake it around and it would just disappear. Because I hate that son of a bitch. And I'm never gonna be the same
1: after reading that.
3: Yeah.
1: What what about the crooked man do you think sets you off so much? What do you think about that design? He's a man what's makes crooked.
3: Word. He's a man it's what's just, crooked. Yeah. It's just so scary. I don't know.
0: Oh, his one good eye being reptilian, no, and listen, yellow with oh, it's so the scary. best
1: framing in this entire book is this panel, Lexi, look away. Is this panel where he's standing right there in front of the tree and oh, having that yeah. one yeah, eye
2: yeah. peering yeah.
1: just around there? Because that that image of itself is a nightmare. That one singular eye, top hat above it. I love things that flirt with that uncanny valley. And I love it when they switch to like the human side. It's like, this is a very obviously humanoid character, but he's just wrong. There's no way else to describe it besides he is just wrong. He is asymmetrical. He's smiling. He looks like he should be someone that like we're familiar with. It should be anything that looks like a person should be safe. Right. But it's just, It gets under your skin in all the perfect ways. It's what I love the most in a a horror creature design. You know, like wild snakes and sharks and bears, whatever. Beasts of burden. They're scary on their own because, you know, they're animals. When you have something that's so close to human, and yet it still makes you feel so like you want to crawl out of your skin, that is where I fucking live. And the crooked man, that one panel is going to live in my head forever. And it's just, it's the good shit. I'm going to have nightmares tonight. And I hope I do because holy shit, that's so cool. Oh, and when we've seen the crooked man
0: outside of his skin at the end, and it's just John Carpenter's the thing. Yeah. (laughs) Incredible.
1: Incredible. It it gives you the impression that something is wearing him because something isn't right there. I... continue oh the
0: panel when he arrives at the fence outside of the church and he says he wants what's owed him he's got like slobber coming down his face oh it's so good it's so I'm so glad that this worked for you too because I think this is top three Hellboy for me this is probably my favorite Hellboy short story and there are a few things in the main story that top this for me but it this was the moment for me where I was like Okay, we're we're not reading anything else till we're done with Hellboy. <laughs> like I binged the whole Hellboy series in a row because of how much I loved this story. I think about this story regularly. Anytime the Appalachian Mountains come up, I think of the Crooked Man from Hellboy. It scared me enough that it scared me of a real place. Like this fictional story made me feel scared of a real place. Which is good. You yeah. should never go there. No, yeah. no. Don't go
1: to Pittsburgh. Don't do it. So true. <laughs> yeah. So true. I had that conversation with Doug earlier. He said that technically Pittsburgh is part of Appalachia. Technically. <gasps> Pittsburgh.
2: Foreboding. Pittsburgh.
0: <laughs> he, <Forboding. hey, laughs> has anyone but me read The Girl Who Loves Tom Gordon by Stephen King? Fuck. It's
1: on the bookshelf no. right now. What's Stephen King? <laughs> I was just thinking about Ooh. it today. Well, no, so that's...
0: That's a... That's about a little girl who gets lost in the Appalachian Mountains, and she gets followed by something scary, and you know I, it's so I'm much scarier if it's, the, right crooked there. If it's the Crooked Man. If it's right
3: the Crooked Man, knock it off! I have to go to bed tonight. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: she's a she's a little girl on a hike with her family, and she runs off into the woods because she has to go potty. Oh, she took her headphones off. It's not fun. If she takes her headphones off.
1: Can I just right, I'm, thinking speaking thematically about the story here and just it's it's the traditional story good versus evil, heaven versus hell, sin versus sin, sin in the center. I love the idea that the the main bad guy behind it on that side of the devil is the the one rich dude with the money. That yeah. is mm. that that feels like it speaks <laughs> a thousand words. Um, I don't know why, but I feel like it does. Well,
0: it's also just so many of these stories about like witches in the church are about how like women are scary right yeah. and what this ultimately became is like the thing that will turn an impoverished community against itself is a spooky guy with money like <laughs> a spooky guy with money comes into a small town it is going to ruin a whole lot of things and it it still played with the iconography it still was fun i something i love about hellboy is it's not trying to subvert these stories like it is a love letter To the spooky, right? Mm -hmm. Whenever Hellboy bumps into something, listen, the Wolfman might pull out a gun, but he's going to look like the (laughs) Wolfman. If we're telling a witch story, this is not an A24 witch story. We're telling a regular old witch story. And it's it's awesome. It's great. It's always told with love from Mike Mignola. But it just, it feels like going and putting on like a 1950s B-movie horror, you know? And that's just, that's great. It's awesome. And he's gonna hit people with his big hand. <laughs> when he got I, turned I, into a monkey and still had the big hand.
3: how am I to say that? that? That
2: was really funny. Oh, yo, we Anne forgot was, the monkey. We forgot about the coffin man. Anne was reading the coffin man uh, before this, and we were sitting in a Discord call. And she's reading the coffin man, and it ends with the man seeing the ledge. She goes, "Oh my god, is that just how it? Ends? Nothing happened." Blah blah blah. And she's going on. And I'm trying to say the whole time, like, just turn the page. And turn the page. And turn the page. And she's like talking and talking. And she's going on like angry rant. And I'm just like sitting their way to say something. And she kind of goes, "Oh, there's a part 2 They're so like, "Yeah." A part two.
1: I I'm a little dumb sometimes. It's um, funny
0: comic man, com, comic fan caught in the wild.
1: Yeah. That's what I was- Sorry, I had a Twitter moment. That's that's on me. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> Almost posted those panels. <laughs>
0: uh, all, right. all right. Let's get to the start of the show. Yeah, let's start the show. Um. All <laughs> right, so now we're going to do the Penangalan and the corpse. So the Penangalan is a very short story set in Malaysia in 1958, where Hellboy comes across a young girl who is leading him out into the woods to let him know about... Uh, a scary demon that lives out in the Malaysian woods. And then lo and behold, she was the demon all along, baby. Hellboy has to fight a giant spooky head on some organs. It goes about how it always goes for Hellboy. He gets lifted way up in the air and he gets dropped a long ways. And then things kind of figure themselves out. Just kidding. This is some of the first foreshadowing to Hellboy accidentally using his Hellboy powers. There's a gigantic pillar of fire. When Hellboy falls down to the ground. And. That's all that happens. He defeats the demon in mysterious ways. I'm sure that's not foreshadowing to anything. Um, And then. The corpse. The corpse for the uninitiated. Is a really really cool short story. There is a great YouTube video. From friend of the show Matt Draper. That breaks down how the corpse was made. The TLDR on that. The corpse was solicited in two-page chunks through Dark Horse Presents magazine, I think. It was a comic book magazine that came out weekly and he just published two pages every single week and he just trusted everybody to follow along. But when you read Hellboy the Corpse, you will realize every two pages represents a story where Hellboy at the beginning will start going to a place to drop off this corpse. Something happens in the middle, and then he gets kicked out, and he has to keep going to the next place where he's going to try and in- introduce that corpse. And every two pages has a perfect three-act structure that builds off of what came before it and never makes it feel like you're rehashing anything all the way to the end. This is a story about a changeling that Hellboy comes and helps discover. There is a a changeling named Gruagak that try to swap out his life for a little baby. Hellboy foils that by burning him with some iron. That's certainly never going to come back. You don't need to remember that character Gruagak at all. He's not going to hold on to this for years. And Hellboy then goes on a quest where he makes a deal with the leprechauns that he has to return a corpse to a graveyard. And then he can have the little girl back to return to her family. This... Story is the reason I had us read this before volume two. This is one of the stories that over the course of Hellboy coming out, people thought these short stories were just fun vignettes about Hellboy. And they did not realize until these characters came back that actually all those short stories matter and they are all building towards the big finale. These characters are going to start showing up. So the corpse, if you're going to remember any of the stories from this, Obviously, Hellboy Mexico and the Crooked Man are amazing, but for the overarching story of Hellboy, it is the corpse. The corpse is essential reading for any Hellboy fan. So really quick, what did we think of the Penangalon and the corpse?
1: All I have to say about the Penangalon is it was so cool when she started being the shit out of him with her intestines. That is also some peak monster design. I love that. That was some Junji Ito shit when her head just popped out of her body and she attacked him with her body. That was wonderful. Great. The corpse, peak Hellboy. This was one of the stories I think you had me read a while ago when you were trying to, to convince me to to fall in love with this big hand dude. And yeah, it it's a solid story. Still had fun with it is my favorite one. Hellboy dialogue in the entire thing, especially when he's taunting um, Grumpity McDumpy, whatever his name is, with the iron and dangling him around. I had a lot of fun with that scene. Yeah, I Grumpity McGrumpy. Say, right off
3: the top, Grumpity McGrumpy as the baby has the funniest <laughs> look. You know that meme of the little baby, like the little yes. girl that's like, yes, mm-hmm. like she the has like her buck teeth.
0: She has a big yeah. overbite and blonde hair and a yeah, purple shirt. Yeah,
3: looks a little scraggly. She probably was rolling around in her living room. You know, some children do. But that this panel is exactly that child. And it made me laugh. I, I kind of couldn't take the first half of this story seriously because I was still laughing about the baby. Especially when she's like, I know what baby's like. Iron. And it just screams bloody murder. I was like, that's hilarious. This is the funniest interaction I've ever seen. And that's it. Hilarious. (laughs) I
2: love it. What do you think, Evan? My thoughts are exactly the same. I love The Corpse. I don't know if I liked it as much the first time as I do this time, but I loved it this time. I thought about it more than I thought about the other ones. And I love, you know, The Crooked Man and I love Hellboy Mexico, but after reading the book, like, a day or two ago, I just kept thinking about this story. I really liked it. Uh, It's just, like, very peak Hellboy. It feels so good. It looks great. And I just had a great time i just love it. like Alexi was saying the image the baby makes where he's just like looking at hellboy like i'm just a baby dude uh, uh, there's nothing wrong here and the fact that they repeat the panel <laughs> on the next stage this is peak comedy i love when comics do that mm-hmm. and no one does it better than mike mcnola and pride michael bendis so i always knew mcnola was a bendis boy true and true
1: <laughs> so I...
2: yeah oh go.
1: I, I read Gruagok the entire time through the story when he was the baby and when he wasn't in like a Mel Blanc Looney Tunes voice that I think that's the best way to experience this comic. It's true. It's peak fiction. <laughs> and you know it's what like, else oh, has? I'm dying. What?
0: You know what else it has? A giant pig. A giant yes. pig monster. The Hellboy has to kick his ass. Grum awesome.
2: With tiny legs and a big body. Mm-hmm. A little Grum. If it ain't broke.
0: Mm-hmm. I think we see him again. Uh, the pig? Well, you'll notice the pig eats Gruagak, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: No, no. Um, we're gonna... I'm gonna leave it at that. Just remember that. Remember that pig mm-hmm. ate Gruagak. The end. Definitely not ever coming back.
1: Can't stop thinking about it. end.
0: Finally! The last two stories. We've got Double Feature of Evil drawn by Richard Corbin and written by Mike Mignola. This is a horror double feature the first of which and talk to us about it is have you seen the cartoon monster house that's it baby hellboy fights the monster house what those little boys couldn't do hellboy does it's pretty great i don't want to hear anything about edgar Allan poe this was monster house and then the second one is the house of sobek which alexis you went to a temple of sobek you saw the mummified crocodiles in egypt and this was an awesome story where Mike Maniola, in the back matter of this is like, I just loved Egypt. I want to do something scary in Egypt. And I didn't really have another di- idea. So I had this little guy pretending to be a mummy run into the wrong temple so he could get eaten by Sobek. I thought that was great. And Mike Maniola, you are right. That is great. That last panel of Sobek <laughs> reaching for the guy, one of your best. Richard Corbin, you're famous forever. Mike Mignola, I don't know if you scripted that or if that was Richard Corbin's idea, that's one of the best panels in all of Hellboy. And then the final story, this is a great final story. Iron Shoes. This is everything Hellboy. There is a, basically, you remember the Wild Thornberries? Remember their son that went, (laughs) so he puts on some metal shoes and he attacks Hellboy and Hellboy throws him out a window and he's like, (laughs) (laughs) and then Hellboy toodles on out, drags him along, brings him to a church, and they're like, sir. And then Michael Caine's like, Hellboy, would you like these metal shoes? And then Hellboy's like, you can keep them. And so they drop them off at the bottom of the Jesus statue. And that's it. That's awesome. It's, I don't think anybody else can do that in six pages, baby. That's a six pager. Wow. What a comic. Mike Maniola. Mm-hmm. you're a star. Thank you for trying that. What did we think of Double Feature of Evil and Iron Shoes?
2: Loved it. Double Feature is really good. I love, yeah. I don't want to say it, the Edgar Allan Poe the first one. You and the do. second one is just, just very funny. It's just like, I love tragedy. I love tragic tales, especially <laughs> in horror. Clip <laughs> it. I hate. I love tragedy. I love it. I love when people are greedy bastards and they get what they deserve. And this you guy sound being like. like Mike Wazowski. I love when these guys are greedy bastards and they get what they deserve. But that thing back where I came from also helped me. And um, <laughs> bum, bum, bum. I think it's like a really good escalation. Uh, I really like to make the, the guy who's leading Hellboy into this trap is just like, you know, we get this idea of the rules of the house and he thinks he gets the rules of the house. And he kind of does get the rules of the house, but he doesn't get the magnitude of like what Hellboy's worth or like what the house really is. Is looking for i guess so him just getting like you know he's getting three coins for beggars and for you know homeless men and stuff like that i think it's this giant block of gold that he's <laughs> just careening down the stairs that's hilarious it's very funny very tragic and then i love at the end because they keep going back to like if the double feature starts with this image of these uh, dead bodies sitting in uh an abandoned like theater And so we keep coming back to these dead bodies, just sitting in the theater as these two double features are playing, and they're just dead bodies, you think. And then at the end, the clap (laughs) for the movies, and that's such a funny like. This is just a funny like. This is like what horror is all about, like that fine line between horror and comedy, where you're like, because those things are just so similar to each other, they like get the same endorphins going in your body. I don't know if that's the right word, Uh, dopamine, something like that, and so. I think it's like Mike Manolo and Richard Corbin also like the combination do a great job of balancing between going horror to comedy and tragedy (laughs) to comedy again. So I really like that. And then Iron Shoes is just really funny. This guy in Iron Shoes hopping down the stairs saying, come closer, live or die, winner or lose, best beware of my Iron Shoes. And he immediately flies out the window. And then <laughs> and Hellboy throws a noose around his neck and ties him up. And then throws him into a church where he dies. And the last thing he says is just help. And then he dies. <laughs> like, it's a
0: perfect comic. It's a perfect comic.
2: Hellboy is one of the best comics of all time if not the best one. I love this book. I think I, it really says a lot about
1: our society. And people I, wear iron shoes. Frankly,
0: this is how 90% of the people on comics Twitter look and sound to me, is their iron shoes. They come run along in their iron shoes. I want to tie them up and drop them off at a church.
2: That's dark. It's fucked damn.
0: up. I love that Hellboy they, gets pulled out. They need Jesus. Hellboy gets pulled out of the tower by iron shoes, and it's
2: so awesome. And he just goes, ah, damn. Oh, yeah, that's the only thing. I love his catchphrase oh, being damn. like, so much for that guy. And, ah, uh, shoot. Ah, <laughs> oh, darn. We, haven't,
0: we still haven't fully gotten to the ah, crap Hellboy, but oh, man. He's getting there. He's getting to this ah, crap. Once you find out that Hellboy has to fall in almost every story, it all comes together. <laughs> you start to be like, hell yeah, look at him fall.
3: Uh, Because he has terrible feet. He has no sense of balance. Tiny feet for big man.
0: That's a super funny thing that Kyle Starks pointed out to me was that no one likes drawing Hellboy's feet. He's like, everybody turns into Rob Liefeld when they're drawing Hellboy. You will be shocked at how often Hellboy's feet are hiding behind things because not even Mike Mignola likes to draw them. I think Richard Corbin is the bravest soul in drawing Hellboy's feet. Everybody else, unless absolutely pressed, <laughs> hides Hellboy's feet. Because they're these terrifying little hoof things with open-toed boots. They're terrible. I love them. They're the worst thing in the universe. <laughs> Do we have any final thoughts for the Complete Short Stories, Volume 1 of Hellboy? Peek. Had fun reading it? it.
1: Had more fun talking about it. Very do you, true.
0: Do you think that you should hand people this or Omnibus 1 to get them started on the Hellboy journey?
2: Both Omnibus of them one. together. I think it depends. Oh, oh I, we all have different answers. I like hey, that. Hey, you just got the three genders right there. Holy wow. shit. <laughs> Only three. I think it uh, depends <laughs> on... <laughs> 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 I think it really female barista (laughs) i love them all um i think that it depends on who it is i really think volume one is still the best unfortunately to start it off with i think it's the hardest to get into though at the same time but i think if you jump around it's tricky uh to recommend and but the short story i think could be a good place to start for someone who already knows the idea of Hellboy like they saw the movies and they're like I really love Hellboy you kind of just go like oh have you read a comic before they're like no I'm like read those short stories real quick and see if you get into it I always think short stories are a great way to get into reading again both in comic form and novel form so I always think short stories are a nice way to get into it but for avid comic readers I do still think volume one is the way to go
0: short stories are second only to poetry in waste of time written media anyway wow (laughs) I'm telling Neil Gaiman that's fine
2: tell Neil Gaiman
0: tell go ahead and tell Neil Scaredy Trousers Gaiman (laughs) that the crooked man is coming for his ass (laughs) (laughs) frankly sometimes when I wake up I look like the crooked man anyway Penelope Green writes and says just kidding welcome to the patreon plug here folks so we're gonna do it real quick this is where our patreon ad is going to go and before all that e Burenson joined at the eight dollar level so he deserves a comic book recommendation on the air and e Burenson, i want you to follow my advice from earlier in the show and check out day tripper Fabio Moon and Gabriel Baugh two of the artists from this collection joined to make one of the best vertigo comics of all time it is a 12 issue maxi series that details the purpose of life through the series of stories about death as written by an obituary columnist so he learns about the purpose of life through writing about death it is wonderful It's one of the best comics ever made and it can be your gateway to Vertigo comics, which I still hold as the greatest comic book imprint of all time. So hope you like that. Thank you so much for supporting us at the $8 level and we'll be right back after this ad.
3: Bye. Hey everyone. Welcome back to the Patreon of the Comics Collective, the weekly podcast where we read and discuss a collection of comic books or a graphic novel. I'm one of your hosts, Alexis.
1: I'm Dels. And I'm Anne.
0: And we are here to talk with you today about our all-new Patreon starting in January 2024.
1: Yeah, it's going to be really, really cool. And listen, honestly, I'm going to level with all of you out there. I really need a reason to just hang in there with these two a little bit longer. So if you could please find in your hearts to give us just a little bit extra every month, I would really, really appreciate it so, so much. I can't speak for them, but I personally would really, really appreciate it.
0: Honestly, at this point, we either need a large sum of money or a large secret to keep us together. And I'm not ready for that kind of responsibility
1: with a secret. Also,
3: also, please, please, everyone, find it in the goodness of your heart to finally aid in these two teaching me how to play Dungeons and Dragons. They've been leading me on for a long ass time. And hey, we've got lots of fun perks that we're going to roll out. I mean, this year, our goal, we want to keep things nice and clean. We want to keep our episodes to a predictable amount of time so everyone knows what they're expecting from an episode of the Comics Collective. But we don't want to feel like we have to cut out all of our shenanigans. So we found a place where we're going to stick it all. Please join us on our Patreon for all the shenanigans, all the fun. Please
0: join yeah. us. <laughs> <The laughs> <hell laughs> we stick it all. Patreon.
3: Oh, damn, it. <laughs> oh, damn it, Dallas.
0: But first, see you miss this. You miss this silly, goofy time. The tiers for the Patreon are first and foremost at the two-dollar tier. Early access to an ad-free version of the show as soon as it's done editing. It's dropping on the Patreon. You don't have to wait till Wednesday mornings anymore. For five dollars a month, you get early access of that ad-free show, and you also get a weekly extended after-the-credits chit-chat with Anne, Lexi, and Dallas, a closer-to-two-hour version of the show where we laugh, we joke, and we give you everything that of the classic comic books collective prior to Dallas' new tightened schedule regime. At the $8 a month tier, you will get a one-time specialized shout-out on the show and a live comic book recommendation in the show after you sign up and for the exceptionally adventurous and affluent patrons of the comics collective we have the option for a 50 dollars a month tier where you will be added to a list of potential candidates for a dungeons and dragons one-shot adventure with the comics collective after one month at the $50 tier, your name will be added to the list. Once the list has hit four individuals, we will run that two to three hour one shot where I will DM Lexi and Anne will play major characters and you and your friends, or perhaps you and some strangers will get to hang out with us on a Discord call for an afternoon. So if any of those sound interesting to you, please go to patreon.com slash collective and sign up now. Welcome back, everybody, to the (laughs) listener questions. We sat in perfect silence for that full great pause. Yeah, it was 10 minutes of perfect silence. And you're welcome. Our first question comes from. Penny Green. Penny Green writes, Hello podcast that is a collective of people who read and talk about comics. I am here to ask you a completely original question that is definitely not at all related to questions that some idiot asked last week. When you go to the aquarium, what's the first animal you're looking for? Yours truly, Penny Green. I need us to be fast. Anne, Lexi, Evan, me. Anne, where are you going to the aquarium for?
1: I mean, you know, aquariums are like straight shots, but I'm always, always looking for the fucking sharks. Are you kidding? Like, come on. I, I love the smaller, like freshwater fish, but girl, it's the sharks. It's always the sharks. I, I missed the, the sand sh- tigers at Newport. Damn.
0: I went to the shark cafe right. at SeaWorld once. One of the highlights of my life.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 See, Lexi. I'm jealous of your shark experiences, but yeah.
3: <laughs> True. Um, that answer is wrong, and you gotta go look for the penguins. Hot take. Got to find those penguins.
0: That's a hot girl answer. Penguins <laughs> rule. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Penguins rule.
3: And be there. Penguins all day. are nothing else matters, unless they Penguins have are the...
0: Penguins are the monkey Penguins house.
3: That's uh... <laughs> 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 very funny. That's gotcha, a bitch. <laughs> that <Gotcha>. ever <laughs> said.
1: Go ahead Dallas Raise <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> hey, your hand Hurry up Dallas wants us to hurry up
0: Penguins are the monkey house Of the aquarium Where you go and you go this is going to be great And you walk in you're like this smells horrible This is one of the worst <laughs> smells I've ever smelled Why do I have to work so hard To spend time with the best thing here
1: Hey
0: That was worth all those interruptions It was in It course. was <laughs> Hell yeah. Manatees. And then since I wasn't on last week, I want to answer about the zoo animals that I missed. I go for the okapis, baby. The okapi is the number one animal (gasps) of all time. Yeah, I love okapis. I go for the
2: elephants because I wasn't here either. And it's because I want to go talk to them about the revolution. They shouldn't (laughs) be in zoos. They're the only animals that should not be in the zoo they deserve more space to, to roam. Uh, every animal could suck it. <laughs> but elephants and great white sharks should not be in prison. Free my family. Well, great white sharks can't be active cuz they keep killing <laughs> they keep killing
1: themselves. That is that is a fact. You can't have a great white in captivity Also orcas. Oh
2: works. my god, I forgot about orcas. No, the orcas. Sorry. Too. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Yep. Someone
1: some, you. Someone tattoo. It. It. My,
2: my tattoo. Someone you it the...
1: blackfish. It's over. Yeah, Game
2: sorry. Over. Shabu, sorry. You're staying where you are. Yeah, sorry, I don't like the black and white ones. Back <laughs> in the
0: <laughs> in the cage, <laughs> Willy. <laughs> back at the side. What the hell?
2: It's like Willie.
0: <laughs> don't free him. Don't it's free him. Get his Put his ass back in the cage. Next
2: question. <laughs> <You're kidding laughs> back in the. We going, Willie. Willie, get the fuck back in the cage. Um. God. It's real evil hours. Right
1: <laughs> next next question comes from um, Jorge. Um, greetings, Comics Collective. Loving this new season. And also, this these Hellboy episodes. And happy to see you cover Hellboy in Mexico, a little town close to my hometown, is mentioned in those stories. I love how Mike Magnola ties Hellboy and the trio of Luchador brothers in an homage to El Santo, Blue Demon, and Mil Mascaras. Um, who, from the 60s to the 80s, made a ton of movies going toe to toe against many monsters who also appear in these short stories. My question is, what do you think about Hellboy, globetrotting, Hellboy's globe-trotting adventures and investigations against a monster of the week in different parts of the world? Explaining, in some ways, the folklore of the place he's in, and the monster he is fighting. In my opinion, that part of Hellboy is what made me stay, made me stay after reading *Seed of Destruction* and not be total and. Oh, not be totally disengaged. Thanks for your time. Sending my best from Mexico. Thank you, Jorge. What do we yeah. think about the um, the monster of the week coming from different parts of the world?
0: As long as that monster of the week is Iron Shoes, I'm in, baby. Whatever section <laughs> of the world Iron Shoes is from, that's where I'm trying to live. I want to live in Iron Shoes' basement. <laughs> <What
2: It's> called <laughs> the... folder <laughs> you
1: to assume that Iron Shoes isn't living in Iron Shoes' basement. It also is alive. I... <laughs> I think Help killed that man. <laughs> He's so His last word was help! They <laughs> <laughs> fucking
0: died. That reminds me. I I was reading my my western to my mother-in-law, and we were about halfway through, and they just straight up like kill some guys, because that's a western. And they shoot some people, she's like, These are the good guys, and they just killed people. Is
2: that gonna be addressed? And I was like, Nope. <laughs> Turn the page. Also, Ellie read like a chapter and a half of your book. They're not the good guys. I know. I was like,
0: <laughs> Protagonist does not mean good guys. Turn the page. <laughs> but she was incensed that there was uh, murder. And I was like, on paper, yeah, you're right. But also, I'm not changing that shit. We murder in this house. We kill Iron Shoes. Iron Shoes says <laughs> help, and the help, like throws him out the window.
2: All my homies hate Iron <laughs> Shoes. We love Iron Shoes. Enslave Willie. Enslave <laughs> <laughs> Willie. kill Iron Shoes. Kill Iron Shoes. Get the motherfucker out of here. Combination <laughs> <laughs> Nation, rise up. Let's I think see. we should
0: put Iron Shoes in SeaWorld.
2: <laughs> I think we should put the motherfucker in a cage. What do you think about <laughs>
1: <laughs> the monsters? Am I Iron Shoes? i off. Iron
3: Loved the monsters. Thank you. Thank you, woman. <laughs> These two are monsters. Pick them. Come and get them.
2: Look at his ass
0: when he comes flying with just the shoes first. <laughs> These two. I don't even know what he's doing I'm gonna,
1: I'm gonna, gonna edit. the orange eyes a giant mouth. I'm gonna edit the V-Willy poster. I'm gonna take Willy out and put <laughs> iron shoes in.
2: <laughs> this is silhouette going up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Um, this is yeah. a question, here. Help! The- <laughs> I can't breathe. <laughs> okay, said, help! He's a bad They threw him into a Catholic church. I what did he do again? I did. I don't even know what his crime was. He just <laughs> lived in a tower. <laughs> Oh my god. He broke, into house. He broke into his house and threw him into a Catholic hell church. Hellboy's working for the bourgeoisie. Hellboy's the real enemy. We shouldn't be <laughs> accepting this man into our communities. We gotta get rid of Hellboy. Oh my gosh. He really his, is the Satan spawn of hell. His last words were hell.
0: <laughs> his little giant mouth and his orange eyes. <laughs> <laughs> He's just the dumbest. <laughs> oh, a, man he's just
1: a boy. I, he's just a boy. I want him to join the enforcers.
0: I need him <laughs> to hang out
1: with Fancy Dan. <laughs> For everyone looking at the timestamp right now and noticing there's at least 10 more minutes of this, I'm so sorry. Oh my, oh my gosh.
0: gosh. <laughs> right. The end. Jorge's
1: question. Let's yeah. answer it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I like it a lot, Jorge.
2: Ooh, ooh. It's dope. <laughs> that was going to be my answer: is that Jorge is correct.
0: Yeah, Jorge, you are correct. Also, thanks for the background on the Luchador movies. You're awesome. And Mexico is awesome.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Little known, in fact, Anne loves cryptids. And so Anne loves getting to see um, Hellboy interacting with so much folklore from across the world. I think that's really neat. And honestly, just, you know, holding out hope that someday Hellboy fights the Jersey Devil and punches Nezzy in the face. I don't know. Could be really
2: in this uh, collection of short stories, he, I like how they incorporate the world by just kind of offhandedly mentioning stuff that we probably will never see. But I really want to see mm-hmm. the vampire cats of Kyoto. They name yeah, drop right? that, and they move on so quickly. And I was just sitting Can't there, just that. like looking off to like space, and then you just hear like Enya playing like,
0: who will say where the road goes? I was like,
2: <laughs> tears rolling down my eyes, and I know I'll never see whatever the hell that is. But I want to see Mike Manila. I know you're watching. Give me a story with, please, give me, give me a story with Have me. you ever... <laughs> vampire Cats Kyoto. So I got the lease now, it's too late. I want Have Iron you... Shoes 2. <laughs> give me Iron Shoes too. electric Vampire boogaloo. Cats Kyoto, Lu. <laughs> iron Shoes 2, electric Mugulu.
1: <laughs> Have you, um... Colon and Willie? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> there it is we're done okay <coughs> sp- have you read junji ito's book about him being scared of his girlfriend's cat yes that cat is the vampire of kyoto
2: okay i'll take it that's not like a sleeping that's night. my
1: head cannon that's a creepy ass cat he was right tomorrow. to be scared
2: i am got... gonna look my boss in the face <laughs> yeah hey, I, gotta, that was... I got the <laughs> <That> giggles was... <laughs> we gotta go we gotta go okay it's like why are you so tired I'm like i don't know how to answer that <laughs> you say iron shoes slave Willie. oh like, my god we gotta got lock up willy boss yeah. <laughs> you don't get it
0: i don't know why but con and boss made me think of the green mile and it made me think of him being like we gotta get willy boss
3: <laughs> okay oh, hell Lexi, meet us out. i'm Lexi, going end to this. <laughs> everyone if you like our show can't imagine why you would <laughs> you want to hear more from us throughout the week please go follow our Twitter account at CMX Collective or our TikTok account at the Comics Collective. Or you can find each of us at our personal accounts at Dallas underscore comics, at Ann Comics, and at Lou underscore comics. Evan, where can the people find you?
2: Uh, the usual places. I don't want to waste too much time naming all of them. Uh, but if you can do me two solids. One, uh, I'm going to be hopefully published in a Kickstarter that's coming up. It's called Tales from the Cloakroom. You can find the Kickstarter pages. You, if you follow me at uh, Evan reads comics on Twitter. I've been retweeting it a few times a day. Well, not a few times a week and everything. Promotion is going to start soon for you. So you'll see more snippets of my story from that. Uh, I will, we would love the support Uh, a lot of great people besides myself worked on it. On my team, I had the creative um, genius of Benji. They're a fantastic artist and the comic couldn't exist without them. As well as our editors, Jerry and Veronica, whose insight has been tremendous and impactful. If you like horror stories, Uh, That's what my section is. Everything else is a little bit different, ranging from action to uh shenanigans. Uh, and on an even more serious note and more important note, um, the UNRWA, United uh, Nations Relief and Work Agency for Palestine, um, has lost a lot of funding, um, over frankly, uh, rumors. So, uh, they could definitely use some donations. Uh, they lost some big contributors, including the US, the UK, and Japan. Um, so if you have anything you could spare um, i'm sure the people would love your help um and actually they need it so if you can you know spend if you like what we do here and you always want to think of a way to support that's a big way you could support us because uh i know people who have family there um and and beyond that they are human beings out there and they need help and mm-hmm. whatever you could do uh, is always appreciated
0: absolutely and i would just add that a great place to donate as well is the free Gaza, which like Evan said, these people need our help. This is a time where we can come together and show the kind of love and support that we wish our elected officials would. Um, if you enjoyed the show and want to show your support, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening and give us a five-star review and we will read it off
1: on the show. And finally, if you have any questions or comments for us at The Comics Collective, please email us anytime at TheComicsCollective at gmail.com. And
3: we'll see y'all next week for The Human Target with comic book couples counseling. Dun dun dun!
1: Wow. Um, Thanks, everybody. Always. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. It's Lay
2: Willie.